This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's the final game of this Premier League season at Turf Moor as the Clarets take on Arsenal. This is the Known and Never podcast. Hello and welcome to the Known and Never podcast and we are leaving Turf Moor for the final time this season. Burnley have gone down 3-1 to, um, I was going to say Spurs then, but it's not, it's their North London rivals Arsenal um, in pretty feisty game. God, that was... Um, I was not expected. Um, I was genuinely going on that game thinking it was going to be an end of season on the beach performance, but it was pretty feisty. Um Five, five, six yellow cards, just all sorts of challenges going in. And I, I think we were kind of unlucky at the end to get beaten. Um, certainly thought we were the better side for huge majorities of the game. And it just goes to show really just how, how much we've come, sorry, how far we've come this season and how much better we were before, since the, the first half of that season. Um, it's quite quiet around it in the moment because I did stay behind to, um, see the players off um in that it always gets me dead emotional that at the end of the game when all the players come round they've always got the children and they're wandering around the pitch and you never really know who's walking around for the last time and who's saying the goodbyes do you and but I thought the boys got a really good good signed off and I think they earned it it's been a long old season for them and uh yeah they must be absolutely knackered I bet they're looking forward to a bit of a rest um not a massive amount to talk about from the game I don't think um quite a few chances that we weren't able to convert bit of a defensive mess up for their first no doubt we'll we'll have a quick analyze analysis analyze we'll analyze that um but yeah other than that it's i think it's probably going to be a case of looking you know back at this the whole season and looking forward to what's going to be a really exciting season next year i'm i'm leaving turf more feeling pretty confident that next year's not going to be as much of a struggle as this one has and we're in good shape so um yeah, I'll I'll get back it with with Dave and with Robbie and we'll we'll look at that in studio mode and um, see you in a bit. Indeed, and so here we are. Ugh, the end of a season. 
That's it. I've got post-season blues already. Joining me, though, to help ease the pain are my boys, the guys who've been sat with me the whole season, our regular panellists, Robbie Kopak and Statman Dave. Guys, that's it. Season done. Good evening. Good evening. It's flown by, hasn't it, this season? It really has. Mm. I feel like I don't want to be... I always feel the end of season episodes really... Mm, I hate and it it's not only that it's an odd year as well so we've got no internationals to look forward to we've got no European championships no world cup we are very excited about the women's world cup but there's nothing else but we'll see um good game I thought on Saturday guys I think you saw that from the post-match interview there I was a little bit um happy when I came off turf more um Dave what did you make of it what was your general feeling when you came off the end of the game um, I thought we had a really good first half. I mean, at, at half time, we'd um, had well loads of chances. First half played the best I've seen us for for quite a while. Created quite a lot. Been really unlucky not to uh, score in that first half. Uh, Chris Wood uh, hit the post, didn't he? And we had quite a few other good chances. Created quite a lot in the first half. And we've we've been saying this season we haven't created enough. Whereas I think that first half we showed what we were capable of. And uh, yeah, to go in at half-time 0-0 was disappointing. Um, and, we, yeah, we, we should have had uh, we, we should have been ahead, at least at least a goal ahead, I think, at half-time. And uh, we, we were made to pay for it later on, weren't we? Yeah, we were, unfortunately. Um, Robbie, what was your view of it? It wasn't, it wasn't quite the end of season, like, boring <laughs> on-the-beach performance we were expecting, was it, really? No, I, I, like what Dave said, I thought it was actually a really positive performance. I thought first half in particular, I thought we were probably the better side. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think the opening goal for Arsenal just killed us a little bit. Um, lots of huff and puff in the second half without really creating too much, but you can't really complain at the season as a whole. Um, but we just seem to have a bit of a knack and a bit of a trend for a bit of defensive frailties on the final day. If you go back to Bournemouth last season with a Kevin Long slip and then this time around, it's a dodgy back pass by Jack Cork and... It just seems to be a bit of a trend for us on the final day now. Yeah, there really does. Let's stick with that then, Robbie, because I think that's the, the point that I was going to come on to first. For me, at the point that Arsenal scored the first, I thought we were really dominating the game, actually. I thought we had a lot of possession and, and very much what you two have just echoed there. Um, but it was just, it just seemed to come out of nowhere that did that that pass and that mistake that, that well, I don't think many strikers are going to miss from there, are they? But from a lot of the press reports I've read this weekend, Robbie, a lot of people seem to be massively um, blaming Ben Mee for that. And to me, I thought the error was with Jack Cork rather than Ben Mee. Am I being harsh there, do you think? Yeah, I, I, I'm putting on Cork. Um, I thought the pass, back pass it didn't really have to be made. Um, but it, it's just one of them. It's just one of those things that happen. I know that Jack Cork's been a bit of a scapegoat this season, harshly in my opinion, but it's just one of those things for us now. You say harshly, and it is harsh in the sense that these players have really fought this season to keep us in the Premier League, and I think they deserve an awful lot of credit for that. But we would be very naive if we didn't acknowledge the fact that this hasn't been one of Cork's better seasons. He has underperformed by his own standards this season. Yeah, but to be fair, he's got no competition or backup in his place. He's played an awful lot of football. If you go, he played every single minute. I think last year he played most of Europa League and he's played 
pretty much every single minute of this season. I just think it's just fatigue and tiredness, which is probably it's just starting to show a little bit, especially towards the, the end of the season. And But, yeah, I, I think it's a position where we do need to maybe get some backup and maybe even strengthen. Yeah, we absolutely do. I'm going to come on to look at transfers at the end of the episode just so we can see what we need to do in the summer. But for me, the, the central midfield is the absolute first place we need to be shopping. Dave, one of the things that we looked at was... Um, Sorry, you talked about in the opening few minutes of this podcast was the, you know, the, the the competitive nature of the game. It was almost fasty at times. That said, Burnley ended up with five yellow cards, and I did not think for one minute that it was a dirty game or one that warranted that many yellows. Yeah, it did seem a little bit unbalanced in, when you look at the end of the game in terms of the yellow cards coming through, and uh, I think perhaps none more shocking than the one that Ashley Barnes got. If you look at the uh, replay of that incident, the uh, goalkeeper went straight into the back of him. Ashley Barnes is, I mean, he, he does put himself about, but in that particular instance, there was certainly nothing that was uh, uh, wrong from his point of view. I think the referee will perhaps look at that one back. I know they can't rescind yellow cards, um, but if they could, I think that's a, 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 well, a, a definite candidate for it because uh, I can't see where the yellow card came from for, for that unless he said something afterwards. Well, I assume that the yellow card didn't come from the challenge, but if you watch it, Barnes does react. He does turn round and retaliates and, and like tries to square up for him and lashes out a little bit, albeit that he doesn't make any contact. Now, my only assumption here is that Dean's seen maybe some contact, maybe seen a little shove or maybe seen behaviour that he doesn't deem to be professional or sportsmanlike. But there certainly was nothing in the the tackle itself. So I think when I kind of look at this, I wonder whether maybe Barnes, that's, sorry, that's what Barnes' yellow was for. But even if we take that and say, well, obviously, yes, he got a yellow card for his retaliation, how the Arsenal keeper didn't end up with a yellow card from that is beyond me. And actually, there's an argument for a penalty there, isn't there? Um, yeah, it's one of those where... He... You perhaps put it down to uh, exuberance, or um, I, I don't know what, but it's. I think for for a penalty to be given for that would be, um, yeah. I mean, as a, as a home fan, that your player being in that position, perhaps you're going to shout for it. But I think if the uh, boots on the other foot, then um, you you're probably not going to be too happy with that. So I, I can perhaps understand why. Um, I mean, certainly it maybe should have been a. a, a, a I don't know. It's one of those where it's a really, really difficult situation for the referee because, yeah, he could give a penalty for it, um, but it would be unprecedented. I think. I don't think I've I've seen a penalty for a goalkeeper coming out and colliding with a with a player. It's it's one of those where I don't know. Could he could he do a, a, a drop ball and say, well, there's unintentional contact between the two and try and uh, fudge it? I'm not sure, but. Um, I think he's got it wrong by booking Ashley Barnes, although albeit with the conversation we just had saying that um, um, perhaps he's, he's deemed something that's gone on afterwards uh, was the reason for the yellow card. Yeah, it has to be. There's there's nothing else that Barnes does. It has to be the afters that he does it for. But I do agree. I don't think that there can be a shout for penalty there. I, I mooted it purely on the basis that I have seen quite a few arguments on Twitter for it. And I do like to clarify those points for people when they are analysing games like that. Um Robbie, another incident that's got the Arsenal fans particularly riled, which I can't even believe that I'm giving this airtime, but there are quite a lot of threads on the Arsenal forums 
talking about Chris Wood's career-ending shove um, when he pushed Koscielny into the advertising hoardings. I, I tell you no lies, this is a thing in Arsenal world. It was the slightest of touches from Barnes, where, uh, sorry, from Wood, where the pair of them are going for the ball and trying to, to get some um, possession in a very dangerous area for, you know, for, for Arsenal. I think he would be, see Wood really come through on goal and create a very good chance for us. Koscielny just staggers, loses his footing and goes over the advertising boardings. Robert, <laughs> Arsenal fans are literally saying that that was a potential career-ending in um, foul and would almost certainly have put him out of the European Cup final. Explain. Uh, to be honest, I haven't seen it back. I've only, I'm only going off. You should. <laughs> Is it? I didn't really think much of it at the time. So yeah, there's I'm nothing a, else oh. in it when you're looking it back. That's the whole point. It's ridiculous. I mean, I'm not being funny, but I kind of, I don't really know who's worse, Robbie. Do you think it's the Arsenal players or the Arsenal fans are the biggest bunch of whinge bags I've ever seen? Yeah, possibly. Like I said, I need to see it back. Um, but it's like in at live time, I didn't really think much of it. I just thought he'd just sort of overran himself a little bit and just like went over a bit like what? Um, was it Joe, Joe Gomez, wasn't it, when he... Um, I think he went over advertising hoarding back at Turf. Yeah, he did. Um, I just thought it was one of those kind of things again. You know, it really was. I, honestly, promise me, Robbie, when you come off this recording that you'll you'll watch it back because it's just... I'm if you literally search looking it on, for it now. I'm oh, yeah, just look for it on Twitter. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, so while you are looking for that, Robbie, I mean, five yellow cards for Burnley and just one for Arsenal. I know we have a tendency as home fans to call the referees especially this top six bias and we we tend to not really get the benefit of the doubt from from uh, Premier League referees but that wasn't to me there should be be more yellow cards for Arsenal fans and not that many for us yeah I I, I just I don't know I just think it's one of those we are quite an aggressive side anyway I just think that sort of we get perceived like that and I just think referees are easy to uh just assume um like Ashley Barnes had one of those games where he was playing for every single foul and trying to go to ground a little bit easy, and Mike D was having none of that as well. Yeah, he never does, does Mike D. He never gives us anything. Um, Dave, one of the absolute performances for me, he didn't get it in the end on the ground, and forgive me, I can't remember. Maybe Charlie Taylor got one of the match, I can't remember. Um, Matt Lawton was one It of was match. Matt Lawton, thank you. I knew you would know. Um, however, Reveling in his success from award season, Ashley Westwood was like a player possessed. It was like a Terry, wasn't he? In midfield, I thought he had a, had a good game. I mean, Matt Lawton, I, I actually agreed with. I, I thought Matt Lawton had a um, a really good game. He had um, it, unlucky, wasn't he? He got, I think, he put the assist in for um, um, uh, for Woods' chance in the first half. He had a, probably Burnley's best chance uh, that was blocked by Arsenal, but also defensively as well. I thought he had a um, a solid game, and uh, since he's coming back into the side, he's um, slotted straight back in, hasn't he? I think uh, Phil Barty done really, really well in the side. Um, he obviously had his injury, and Matt Lowton came in, and we want to be in the position where we've got players who can come back in and slot back into the side. And you know, Matt Lowton knows the system better than anyone else, and he's uh, he's come back in, and uh, you know, it's like he's not been away. 
Yeah, it really has. Um, I was a little bit sticking with 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 Westwood. I, I think you're probably right. I think I think he he does. Um, oh, does he? Yeah, no, I think I agree with Lawton. Um, it was a, a scary moment though at half time, and it looked like Westwood was not going to get off the floor. And see when he got that injury, it, I can't believe he ended up running it off. Yeah, I mean, there the was worry, wasn't he, when he went down? He did move him very gingerly, wasn't he, for about two or three minutes after that. Um, it depends on the sort of knock you get. He obviously was the sort he could run off, and uh, later in the game, you'd have uh, you'd never known he had it. He uh, didn't show any ill effects of it later in the game. So yeah, he had he had a he had a good game as well. I think there were you know positive signs across the pitch. And although we were three one losers on the day, I don't think that score really reflected um, the the balance of the match. Really, thought that um, well. The, the, a moment of brilliance for the second goal. I think um, Arsenal's second goal really well taken yeah, by I agree. Uh, Bamiyang. It's uh, credit to him for that. He uh, seems to score goals against Burnley for fun. I think that's his sixth goal now against us in uh, matches played. Um, uh, the first one took really well. Second one, a fantastic goal. And the third one was kind of a, well, just a fluky deflection right at the end, wasn't it? Just yeah. uh, went past and, and went in. But um, didn't really reflect the game, particularly on that first half. I thought that uh, perhaps if Burnley had gone in uh, at half-time, uh, a goal up, we might have seen a slightly different game than we did. Yeah, I agree. I think when you read the press reports from the weekend, most people, in fact, I've not seen a report that doesn't give Burnley a huge amount of credit for actually dominating the game in, in large parts and being by far the better side. I think the I think the scoreline for me very much mirrored what happened in the Spurs game and the Liverpool games earlier on in that we just left ourselves a little bit too open when we were pushing to find that equaliser um, and we ended up, it's probably more of a 2-1 game rather than a 3-1 game, but we were trying to get that equaliser and, and conceded a late goal. I said the same thing back at those two games and I say it now um, in those kind of games when it's a top six side that you're not expected to get anything from. Um, I would much rather us go down 3-1 as 2-1 if we're going to try and get that equaliser. Remember the Liverpool game, it so nearly works. I think Alisson had to make that incredible save out the top corner just to deny us an equaliser and that was pretty much the last kick of the game um, before Liverpool managed to get that 3-1. So, you know, it, 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 I agree with you, Dave. One was a little bit flattering. Um, Robbie, uh, have you found this video by the way? Are you, are you still looking for yeah, it? Yeah, I've watched it. I've watched it. It's it's pathetic, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's pathetic. Excellent. I'm glad it's not just me. I do worry sometimes and I raise a point on the podcast and I'm like, what did you think it is? And I get really outraged that other people will kind of look at it and go, Bromley, what are you talking about? You're talking rubbish. But that is that is pathetic. I just think they just whinge for the sake of it. I, I kind of feel like. Arsenal fans have not got anything to whinge about as much now that um, Wenger's gone. So they're trying to manufacture a ridiculous scenario so they can keep Arsenal TV going. Um, Robert, I want to just chat to you quickly. And I I guess this may be, it's probably the last part of the game that I want to concentrate on because it probably feeds us in quite nicely to some summer signings, just with what I'm going to focus on here. There's a lot of talk um, coming from the club that they are going to sit down with Peter Crouch and talk to him and see what he wants to do. Very much the, the I guess, I don't know if we're supposed to interpret this from it, but certainly there's, there's an inference that there's a contract on the table for Crouch if he wants to stay. I'm, we've not seen him much this season, but I'm not that convinced 
that that is the way forward as a plan B. And I'll tell you why. We saw this on Sunday. Whenever we put Crouch on, our entire game plan just changes, and I just don't think it's for the better. We go from playing some tidy passing football to try and find those little spots and and create holes in their defence and try and manufacture those um, chances to just chucking balls onto Crouch's head. And I just think we're better than that now. Yeah, I'm I'm not a Peter Crouch fan. I'm not having this. Um, It's it's just... it's. I, I I get it in the fact that Arsenal aren't particularly great defensively and defending balls into the box. I can sort of understand why we might go a little bit more direct. But I just thought on Sunday we it more suited Vidra just to maybe drop a bit deeper playing between the lines. I thought it just were more suited to him that game because it was a little bit more open and I thought Vidra might shine. And we, yeah, like you say, we were playing some decent football and then we bring Peter Crouch on with 15 minutes to go on. I don't think Peter Crouch won a single header for a lad who's like six foot eight. Like it's just, I don't like the thought of us relying on a thirty-eight-year-old, basically podcast what we're doing to come save a game for us. I'm not, I'm just not a fan, and I really don't want to be relying on him again next season to sort of rescue us points. I, I appreciate that he's. I think Sean Dyche used the word weapon. In a, in a in his post match press conference and but like you say I just think we're better than that I think we need to lower the average age of the squad and I don't I don't think having a 38 year old strike past it striker is really the answer for us. Yeah, I mean you're right in that this very careful um, narrative that Dutch is is telling us that the Crouch is a weapon. I don't mind that, actually, if, if that's all he's saying he is. But the problem is, is that that, to me, has to be after we've tried Vidra or after we've tried uh, Jay, if he's going to come back. We don't know yet. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it seems to me that whenever he's had him available, he's been the first choice. He's been plan B and he comes on straight away. And it just seems, maybe I'm being harsh here, but it's just not attractive football to watch. It, it They just become very hoof it and hope and I think at Burnley we have to deflect so many stereotypes about the style of play we get we labelled physical we labelled long ball we labelled boring to watch and I think when we bring Crouch on that's what we turn into so I I completely agree with what you say there Robbie and and I'm, I'm trying to fit a balance between it and say well if he is genuinely coming in as a last chance, you know, the last five minutes of the game, try and get something in the box, try and win us a penalty, try and head something in. But it can't be the first tactical move that we make. It has to be after a Vidra-type player for me. Um, Dave, let's move away then from that and let's start to look at what happens to our squad at the end of the season because they've all gone now, they're on their holidays um, and Darch is going to have a small break before he has that impossible task of going into the transfer window and trying to get us some players to strengthen this squad. So far, we only know about one player leaving. Um, The news came out straight after the game yesterday that very popular left-back Stephen Ward isn't having his contract renewed and he is leaving us now, which does leave us short at left-back, but also means that a, a very 
popular member of our squad and somebody who's done a really good job for us has left. So Dave, let's come to you first, I guess. Thoughts on Ward firstly and secondly, let's look at the defence to start off with and see where that leaves us in terms of what we need. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Ward's been a really, really good player for Burnley. Five seasons he's been with us. Um, pivotal uh, in the promotion season, 2015-16, particularly the second half of that season uh, when he came in. Um, and I think uh, he's one of those players that, uh, even when we got back into the Premier League, he was uh, ever-reliable. He got international experience as well. And um, one or two problems with injuries, but his uh, player gives everything um, solid defensively, but gave us options going forward as well. So we've had five really good seasons out of him, um, and he's had five really good seasons at Burnley. And it's a little bit sad to see him go, but times move on. And uh, Charlie Taylor stepped up this season. Um, he's played really well and improves the season's gone on. Um, but we we will need a replacement in that position. Whether that's going to be uh, um, a backup for for Charlie Taylor, a younger player coming in, I don't know. Um, we want competition in places wherever they are across the field. I and mean, we want to be in a position where there are not just a, a starting eleven, but almost like a, a second eleven behind that, and eleven players who are almost as strong, or if not as strong, as the eleven we've got. And we're trying to build towards that every season. We we build towards it, and I think we've got uh, more strength in depth now than we've had any other time when we've been in the Premier League. Um, but players we have to replace. Um, left backs definitely be one where we're going to have to bring a player in. Uh, in terms of uh, centre halves, obviously we've got um, uh, Ben Mee and James Tarkovsky. Hopefully we can keep hold of uh, both of them over the summer. And we've got Ben Gibson who's come in, who's not had uh, too much of a chance this season, um, but he's certainly going to be in there um, vying for places next season. Um, we think about who else we've got in those Kevin positions. Long as well. We've got Kevin Long. Um, Jimmy Dunn's done very well on loan, albeit yeah, at a, a lower level. Is he going to be able to take that step up? That, I mean, we've talked about younger players coming in. Uh, Dwight McNeil's done really well. He's mm. he's younger than uh, uh, than Jimmy Dunn, and he's he's come in and had a really good run in the side. Is it going to be the case? I mean, again, it, it may well be uh, until the full pre-season that we get a feel of uh, of how that's going to be. But certainly, from a recruitment point of view, the club are going to need to decide. Is that going to be it for centre-halves or are we going to uh, go for another centre-half this season? Um, and again, it will depend on on, on on keeping the players that we have got because if a, if a big big bid comes in for um, a player, um, their head's turned, then that, that will obviously change things as well. Um, right back, we know um, already that Phil Barsley's triggered uh, another year on his contract. Um, and also we've got Matt Lowton. Do we need another right back? I'm not sure that's a position we'll necessarily be uh, looking at for this window, although going forward, Phil Barnes has got this season, after this season, then we'll be looking for someone else to come through there as well. So certainly left-back and then centre-half's going to very much depend on, uh, on well, Jimmy Dunn, what, what happens with him perhaps, um, and also keeping the players we've got. That's, that's going to be the position from a, a defensive point of view. To my mind, I think it's maybe more... Um, in the midfield, where we're going to be looking for uh, for, for new recruits. Yeah, so Robert, sticking with the defence, then obviously that's a pretty comprehensive summary from Statman Dave. I love it when I can just put the mute button and just let him go. Like, go on, Dave, <laughs> off you go. Um, I think from Dave's summary, I think it's pretty clear from a de- defensive perspective that the immediate concern is that left back position. Although, 
not that I'm saying that this is an a proper option. Robbie Brady can play at left back if needs be, and I don't want Sean Dyche to suddenly think that that is the the answer here. Um, I don't think we'll sell a centre half. Um, I think they'll stay at least till Christmas. Um, but what are your thoughts, Robbie? Uh, well, number one, do you agree, or do you think we do need to strengthen in the centre or at the right? And what are your thoughts on the news that we are interested for Gary Cahill if we lose one of the centre-halves? Yeah, I'm more echoing what Dave said. I think, obviously, we need a second left-back now. Um, I've got to say, I'm really surprised at the way... we just, I didn't... I completely forgot about Stephen Moore, to be honest. And he, he wasn't really... He was announced at full-time, and I, I'm not sure if whether it was like anything on the big screen during the the farewell stuff or anything like that because I, I didn't stay for it but whenever a player leaves oh hang on a minute you didn't stay for the farewell I, I couldn't do no I usually do oh, okay I had to I had to leave but um okay I'll let you off then I thought you were just gonna yeah. go because you didn't want it. I was like whoa 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 but no uh, no, no no carry on it wasn't me being stubborn or anything <laughs> no it was because Stephen Ward's almost not, not quite a, a club legend but he was he'd been keying us you know, maintaining our Premier League status, and it seemed a bit sad that that I, I just sort of read it on a tweet when I got back, and it just seemed a bit oh okay. But um, yeah, I think I can't see us selling Tarkovsky or Ben Me. I, I don't see anyone from like a, a top ten Premier League club coming in for Tarks. Um, he's had a bit of an indifferent season. I think someone might just want to maybe see what happens next year with him. Um, so yeah, like like Dave said, I think it's more in the midfield area, which will probably strengthen. What are your thoughts on the keeper, Robbie? I mean, we don't know yet. I think we're all pretty much assuming that Joe Hart will go, um, just because he's been putting himself in the window since <laughs> getting dropped by Tommy for Tom Heaton back at, at Christmas. Um there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk that we aren't gonna have the luxury of seen until Christmas or giving one more season with having Tom and Nick Pope. I'm going to ask you the question. I'm not saying should we. I'm saying if we are doing, what, who's your vote? Who do you keep and who do you sell? It's a tough one, isn't it? I've, yeah, like you say, Hart will go. I don't. I really don't want to choose between Heaton and Pope. I love them both to pieces. So I'm going to make but, you. You're not doing a Dave. Pick one. Oh. <laughs> Off the fence, off the fence, off the fence. I, I think, you know what, I think I'd keep Nick Pope just because he's a bit younger and I think the way we have to defend crosses into the box, I think he's the strongest at that as well. That's my analysis Good. of it. Well done. I like the decisiveness. Well done, Robbie. Dave, same question to you. Um, however, just bear in mind with your answer, the balance from a chairman's perspective of the prize money, prize money? No, that's not right. Transfer money that he's going to get for him, the transfer fee. Nick Pope can be sold for a lot more money than Tom Heaton can. So just bear that in mind. And who do you keep? Who do you sell? Uh, well, I'm, I've, I've made my mind up. I'd, I'd go the other way, but that would be more of a, a financial consideration. I think Nick Pope's mm. a fantastic player. Um, did really, really well when he came in last season. Um, Tom's obviously a um, club favourite. He's done really well with his time at the club. Obviously, played a lot more games for for Burnley as well. But I think Tom Heaton is is still what is he thirty two? 
So he could potentially... 33 already, isn't he? 33. Even at 33, he could have another four or five seasons in him at that age. So I think that, um, you know, you, you sell Tom Heaton, you might get, I don't know, four or five million. If yeah, you sell you get five, Nick Pope, you? you might get 25 million. So I think, I think you'd want... get at least 30 for, for, for right. Tom. Right, well, we, we're talking in terms of scale a, a lot a, a lot yeah. uh, more for, for Nick Pope. So I think from a, a, a business point of view, football is a, a business as well and putting... Um, things out, out of the way if you're going purely on um football then you'd say well yeah nick pope has got a lot he's, he's younger he's got more football in him you'd keep him you might have him for for 10 years but i think from a a, a, a business perspective that would probably take uh, precedence and you could reinvest that money we're talking about um wanting to um improve the squad i think you you would get more for doing that than you would um, keeping hold of Nick Pope. So if a decision had to be made, if it did come to that, and they were both um, you know, uh, wanting first team, we well, obviously they do want first team football. They're not both going to get first team football at Burnley. If it came down to it and that decision had to be made, um, then I would say keep Tom. I love it. I love you two, and you're all decisive, and you don't sit on the fence and you answer the questions. Um, okay, then, Dave, let's move into that midfield that you've just been referring to because it's quite clear that that's where we need to make some improvements. I guess starting with the centre and working our way out, are we in danger of losing anybody? Um, I'm not sure about that. It's. Um... I'm obviously talking about McNeil. <laughs> He's well, well, yeah, well, yeah. I, I think from his point of view, he'll develop more by having another season at Burnley. Yes, another team might come in for him, um, and it would be very difficult if he was offered, um, uh, you know, if, if a big transfer fee involved and he was um, offered big money wage wise elsewhere, it would be very difficult to turn that down. But I think, again, purely from a football developing point of view, uh, development point of view, um, I think he would benefit more from another full season at Burnley, um, and hopefully we'll we'll get that chance to see him. We've we've seen glimpses of him in the first half of this season, and then pretty much all the second half of the season. And what a difference he's made to the side in terms of um, his attacking plays, impetus, and just you know, t- taking us on. We d- we didn't really have that in the first half of the season, I didn't didn't think. And he's we've discussed it on previous podcasts that he just gives us a different dimension in the second half of the season. And, and to my mind has been the difference between well, possibly been the difference between us, us staying up and not. Um and I'd like to see a full season out of him next year. Um and I think he can only go on and, and improve. So I think we'll we'll hopefully see that is the case. Um in terms of other positions in midfield, I think, well, you you touched on it earlier. Um, I think we've got Ashley Westwood and Jack Cork in the centre. Um, I think we need to strengthen there. I think we've we've not had um, uh, Stephen DeFore playing a role really in, in this season. Um, and we do need, we've perhaps been hoping that he would have been the player who would be able to um, compete for place in the centre midfield. And we've not seen that from him uh, this season. Um, hopefully he can get things sorted and uh, you know get fit in 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 pre-season. But I think we need we need uh, another option in centre midfield. Do you think, bearing that in mind, do you think we will see Stephen Defoe again? I'd almost I just it made me laugh when Robbie said this earlier about how we'd forgotten about Stephen Ward. 
I've kind of got into my head that Stephen Defoe doesn't play for us anymore. Well, he's still contracted to us. I mean, there's been a lot of talk previously, hasn't there, about moves to uh, to China and places. So may- maybe that will be something that comes about as an option and, and, and that, that will take off. Um, but I think that uh, we do need to have um, options. We need to have options in, in centre midfield. We haven't had that. We've been far too reliant on uh, on Jack Cork and Ashley Westwood. I think both of whom have, have stepped up, particularly Ashley Westwood, uh, this season. Um, and they've done done well under the circumstances, but we need to have um, more strength in depth in that position. What about you, Robbie? How are you feeling about our midfield? I think obviously Dave's hit most of those on there. We do seem to have quite a lot of wingers. We've got Goodmanson, we've got Brady, we've got Hendrick who can now play on that right wing, we've got Lennon and we've got uh, McNeil, but we seem to have a real problem keeping them all fit at the same time. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange scenario for us. Um... I think Gunmanson, when he's fit, we saw last season how effective he can be and we saw the best of Robbie Brady before his knee injury last year. He hasn't really quite got back into the groove of things yet, but obviously the the former Dwight McNeil has made it difficult for Brady, Robbie Brady to really come in and stake a claim again. Um, just thinking about going back onto the Stephen DeForest thing, I'd, I would love to see how many Premier League games he's played since... His free kick at Old Trafford last year. That that you made your mind up whether to keep him or not. Um, Wait, what? Because I bet, where are you going with that, Robbie? Go on, explain. I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to think. Obviously, I think that's when he was that the game he got injured in when he scored the free kick at Old Trafford, and then we haven't really seen him since yeah, then. So I bet he hasn't even played. I bet he hasn't played ten Premier League games since. Oh then. no, definitely not. Definitely not. I can almost hear Dave in the background, Dave's papers and his files. <laughs> he's typing away, away, isn't he? I can feel it. He's going to come on in a minute. His little button will come off from mute. He'll go, he's played nine. Play, yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> he's played six this season. I was just going back and checking last season as well. Let me just have a, uh, have a look. He's actually played six this yeah. season. Do you know and, what? And, I honestly didn't and, think he played that many. four last season. I mean, obviously that includes sub-appearances as well. But yeah, ten in total. Wow. Ten. That's yeah, an expensive luxury. Yeah. But the problem is, is but when you've got a fit Stephen DeFore who's on top of his game, is the best player we've yeah, seen play. Yeah. And yeah, can you imagine? Sorry, can you imagine Robbie seeing DeFore and McNeil on the same side? Yeah, oh. yeah, and a fully and a fully fit Johan Berggumbenson as well. They won't be corners anti football, uh, uh, will they? I know that that's that's reeks of quality, yes, but. It? We don't see it. Yeah, yeah it's not going to happen. Um, I don't really. I agree with you. I think. I think the, for me, and I said this at the beginning of the podcast, the number one on the shopping list has got to be a central midfielder. Not necessarily that I want to drop either Westwood. Or, well, actually, I probably would drop Cork at the moment, to be honest, just to give him a rest and, like you say, give him that impetus to to fight his way back into the side. Um, I'd completely forgotten about Aidan O'Neill. Is he coming back? He's out on loan. Is he's he? gone actually. I think I think he's out of contracts. I think. Oh, is he? it? I knew he'd gone out on loan. But I, I think there might be a situation. might be one of those situations which he um, trigger an extra year on the contract. I'm not sure how that uh, how that lies. Obviously, he's been out in uh, Australia all year, hasn't he? So um, we'll we'll see what happens with him. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Um, I still think I still personally think there's a role for Aaron Lennon to play. I know he's mixed reactions from fans but I think when he's on it and he's playing well I think he's got a bit of class to him so for me I wonder whether 
I know, God, we always say this. We always say that we need some pace in the side and we need some creativity. But actually, if you get all of those wingers fit and injury-free all season, we would be by, we'd be spending much needed resources on somebody who would possibly be benched. So I'm not entirely sure whether a, a winger's now the main priority. We'll see. Um, Dave, forwards. We have completely forgot about Naki Wells. He's out on loan. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's probably going. He's not going to come back, is he? So we've got our main men. We've got Ashley Barnes. We've got Chris Wood. Love you both. John Walters. We know is retired. He's not being released. Crouch. We don't know whether he's going to come or whether he's going to go. And then we've got Matty Vidra and Daniel Agge. Dave, what do we do about centre forwards? What do we buy? Um, well, we've not seen the best of uh, Matty Vidra yet, have we? We've not seen much in uh, we've this season. We've not seen season. anything of Matty Vidra. <laughs> well, we have. We've seen, we've seen one or two. He's scored a couple of goals as well. Um, we've seen one or two um, cameo appearances, um, but not as much as we would like. Um, I think he's still got more to give. He might be one of those um, second season Deitch players who uh, who gives more and we get see more of and get more out of um, in a second season because we know he's capable of scoring goals. Um, and we've seen, as I say, glimpses of it when he's come on this season. Um, hopefully he can get himself um, a really good pre-season behind him and we can see uh, a lot more of him next season. If we've got that option from the bench and we've got Chris Wood and um, Ashley Barnes, who've both done really well this season, they've, they've both got into uh, double figures in terms of goals. Um, and obviously Chris Wood's uh, Golden Flag Award that um, he got for the most uh, offsides that we touched on in uh, last week's podcast as well. Um, we we've got we have got options there, but you always feel you need another one as well. So certainly if uh, if we're not, if we've not got Peter Crouch, that would free up um, uh, a wage for bringing another player in because obviously we had um, uh, who was that player? Oh yeah, Sam Vokes. Sam Vokes we had, didn't we, earlier in the How season? How could you do that to um, me in the last game of the last podcast <laughs> of the season? That, I looked how stunned into silence then for a minute. J- just a minute. You're, you're going to have to wait until December when the uh, calendar comes round with you. Oh, God. Do you know what? I would like to point out, Dave, that both of you two's contracts are up at the end of this podcast season and I might be reviewing <laughs> your terms for next season if you start chucking stuff like that. I've, I've not signed again yet. I'm, I'm, I'm reviewing office. Oh, really? Oh, like that, is it? Wow. I didn't expect that. What a comeback. <laughs> okay, I better shut up and let you get on. Where was I? Oh, yeah, strikers. Um, yeah, I mean, we, I think if um, if we don't have Peter Crouch, we certainly need to get another uh, player in. In some ways, that will be preferable to have a player in who's perhaps um, you're not going to have as just an impact sub, someone who's perhaps going to come in and, uh, and play a bigger role in the side and give more competition to, uh, to Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood. Yeah. But they're not cheap. No, they're not. I think this is... Although that said, you know, if if we did in the summer invest our funds in a really good central midfielder and something like a, a, a an improvement on or a, a Matty Vidra, but slightly better, um, I kind of feel like that's some good business. I feel like that would really strengthen us. But Robbie, for me, I think wherever we buy, it would just be very nice this season to buy somebody who will actually improve the first team. I think in some of the transfer windows we've had recently, every single signing has been squad players or in, or increased competition for places. Um, 
I think maybe with the exception of Charlie Taylor's now, I think, improved that left-back position. Um, obviously, I think Dwight McNeil's improved the, the left of midfield for sure, but that was almost a, you know, he's he's come through the youth ranks. But from a transfer perspective, the priority for me has got to be improving the, the first team, surely. Yeah, especially in the final third as well, where you need where you need match winners. Um Obviously, we 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 fought hard for Che Adams in January. Whether we will reignite that interest, we'll have to wait and see. But I think a few more Premier League clubs will be looking at him now. Um, but I, I just think we need like just this something a little bit different in terms of someone who's going to play on the shoulder, who has a bit of pace about them, someone to run channels a bit more effectively and stretch def- defenders and drag defenders away. Because I think Chris Wood, Arthur Barnes, bit kind of similar, bit you know the typical number nines. I think we need a bit of pace up there just to affect things a bit differently. Yeah, time will tell. Um, I'm always worried, especially when we haven't even opened a transfer window yet, and and Garlic's warning us of a difficult transfer window and how they're probably not going to be able to get any business done. But let's. I, I always feel slightly optimistic at this time and think. We don't know yet who's going to come through the door. We don't yet know what the rumours are going to be. And suddenly, some shirt unveiling of some incredibly impressive player who's dead famous or somebody who... Dead famous? I sounded world burner then, didn't I? Or, or somebody who's just going to hugely improve and get us all excited for next season. So we live in hope. We live in hope. Um, let's round off then, not just this week's podcast, but the season as a whole, with a reflection from both of you. And Dave, we'll start with you. How's it been? Sum up this season for me in your eyes. Well, it's been a season of two halves, hasn't it, really? We had the um, uh, real high. We started off with the European Games. Um, couldn't quite get us over the line, um, but that did affect our start to the season, the Premier League season. We we struggled uh, playing the Thursday, Sunday with all the travel. Uh, you know, It's well documented. We only got uh, one point from our first five games. 12 points in the first half of the season and then that defeat on Boxing Day seemed to be the catalyst for things to improve. We got Tom Heaton back in the side, we got Dwight McNeil coming back in and uh, showing what he was capable of and the second half of the season, although we've had a couple of little dodgy runs in there, we had um, a run of four defeats in there and we also had three um, uh, defeats at the end, Uh, we had enough um, wins, enough points in between to make sure we were comfortably safe in the end so uh, you never know where that points uh, cutoff's going to be, but we were, you know, five points clear of it in the end, and finished a credible fifteenth. So certainly, bearing in mind where we were on Boxing Day, it's um, it's been a good season for Burnley, albeit with a, um, a a dodgy start. We'd have preferred to have those points on the board early on, and I think it does make things easier when you've got. Um, a, a better start to the season. You're not playing catch up, but we were. We've shown resilience. We've shown we're capable of getting ourselves out of it, um, and we're going to need to do that again. I think there'll, there'll be times, maybe not next season, but in seasons going forward, um, the top six tend to dominate things. Anyone below that can be fighting for places. So we just need to um, continue that next season. Try and try and build it. It's almost been like. A step back, hasn't it, in terms of finishing seventh and the euphoria of last season, um, and then the first half this season and the struggles. We've shown glimpses of what we're capable of in the second half of the season, and hopefully we can continue that sort of form throughout next year. 
I think that point about showing our resilience is really important, Dave, and I think that's been the biggest thing for me this season. Last year, Deitch made a really big thing about the the winning start away at Chelsea and then how that just escalated onto an incredible season because they started well and they were on a high. And he credits the, the European qualification with that start. And it felt to me almost like he was a little bit obsessive this season with making sure that we had the same start. And for me, I thought Joe Hart signing was um, a panic buy. I think he didn't want to wait the three, two, three weeks it would take into the season for um, Heaton to be fit. And he, he rushed into it. And I think that was a mistake. I think it did unsettle us because he was so focused on, we've got to start well, we've got to start well. That didn't happen. We found ourselves, as we know, in a real struggle at Christmas. So for me, having a side that was able to fight in that second half and pull itself away from what seemed an impossible situation will only help us next season. And I think now Deitch has had two past seasons, one where we've had a very quick start and a successful first half, or one where we've had a terrible first half but been able to recover in the second it means that we are here to stay. For, for me, it means that we have the ability to fight in this league, regardless of what challenges are put in front of us. And that might just make Deitch relax a little bit and maybe not be as rigid with some decisions and so um, adamant that he's going to to approach the season in a certain way. And I think that, that can only help things. Um Final word from you then, Robbie. Same question, you know, looking back over the season, what's your feeling? How do you feel now? Yeah, I'm I'm quite optimistic and encouraged the way we've come out of that dark spell. I think think the Europa League commitments did sort of, not quite divided the fan base, but I think, I just don't think everyone was on the same page. Um, But I think, Obviously, the Everson defeat, it was, like Dave said, it was the catalyst to, for, for everyone to rally behind the team and the team to to get their acts together. And I just think everyone sort of, it sort of united the club again, I think, before Christmas. I, to be honest, I'd not, not quite fallen out of love with Burnley or football, but it, going on to going on to home games becoming a bit of an effort again. Um, but... But we just got that. We just got our Burnley back. We went back to basics. We went back to what we're good at, and I, I've I've fell back in love with the club again. Especially when we beat Spurs two one. Um, there are plenty of highs of this season. Obviously, with the Europa League. Um, obviously, yeah, the, the Spurs win the four 0 win against Bournemouth. You know, there's many highs this season, and I think the way we've ended the season is actually really positive. I'm really happy with the performance away at Brighton. Um, so let's, let's reflect a quick reflection there. There's an awful lot more positives and probably negatives. Just the way we've come out of the dark stuff. Absolutely, I, I, I completely agree with what both of you've said. Um, I think the only thing I would add to that is that the transfer window for us in the summer and our approach to next season should be a lot more positive than maybe we're giving ourselves credit for. A lot of people are suggesting that last summer was our one chance to get some fantastic players in because we'd finished seventh, Deitch's stock was at its absolute highest and we'd qualified for Europa League football. Look, 
you know, players were not, players are realistic and their agents are realistic and players didn't expect us, nobody expected us to go very far in the Europa League and players wouldn't have necessarily picked coming to Burnley just to play in the pre, pre-qualifiers or, or even just get through the group stages and leave. Um, they're looking for something longer term than that. They are looking for something more solid. And so in some respects, it probably doesn't surprise me that we failed to attract the players that we wanted to last summer because we were still very much an unknown quantity in the Premier League as to whether or not we had the longevity to survive. I actually think we're more attractive this summer than we were last summer because, like I said, nobody comes for European football. It's just not in it's not in players' minds, in my opinion. Um, but what players and what other managers have seen this season is that Burnley have got the grit and the determination and the talent to be able to turn around a poor start to the season and that we will have learned a lot more. It feels to me that we are now an established Premier League side. We're going into our fourth successive season and we've managed to to stay up comfortably in the end when everybody had written us off at Christmas. So I think it's an exciting time to be a Burnley fan. I cannot wait for 2019-2020. And it's just, we just need a couple more players now just to help get us over that line and and, and see where we can get to. I think our aim should now be that we want to be a consistent 50-point team. I think 50 points would probably put us somewhere between 10th and 13th, usually. And I think that's where we should be. Um, I don't think we're strong enough yet to to break into the top 10, but that's okay. Um, If we do get into a top 10, brilliant. But if we can aim for 50 points a season, I think that's a realistic prospect for this club and and should see us stay in the Premier League for 10 years. Why not? Um, So that's all. That's everything. That is a wrap on the 2018-2019 Known and Never podcast season. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure to be able to deliver this podcast to you every single week. We've had some ups, we've had some downs, we've had some hyperball comics we've had some drama we've had some euphoria we've had a european tour we started this entire podcast back on the 26th of july last year with our postcard from europe series and some of our guest fans this year have been fantastic and i've loved every minute of it um we will be back next season we've all sat down and had a talk about this it's something that we have to think about every season the none and ever podcast is free um everybody who contributes contributes their time for nothing we don't get paid for the podcast we don't make any money from the podcast um we do it out of love out of love for this club and love of being able to deliver fan content and just a forum for people to air their views and be able to talk about all things claret and blue so we're going to have a break in the summer we're going to do a couple of special podcasts i think we've got one lined up <laughs> with scott cunliffe finally um we're also looking to finally get andy payton special on the board as well um and we, we time with the idea at the moment of maybe doing something for the 10 year anniversary of, of Wembley as well so keep glued to your screens and we'll send some alerts out when we can but it's going to be relatively quiet from us from the summer while we we have a break and put in plans what we do next year and with that in mind do you have any suggestions what do you think we could do differently what would you like to see added what doesn't particularly interest you about the podcast does the format work for you just drop us an email. It's it's blog at nonanever.net and tell us what you think. And we, you know, we want to do something different every year. There's, there's a challenge every year being in the Premier League because it's the same teams and it's the same narrative and it's the same results a lot of the time. So 
How do we make this more exciting for you? Get in touch and let us know. Um, thanks for the whole season go to everybody who's contributed um, I want to name some names but I'm really worried that I'm going to forget somebody I know Tom Whitaker, Liam Hallinan, uh, Richard Steele George Poole uh, they've all been on as guests. We've had slots from Scott Cunley from Burnley FC Women. Gemma Avery at the beginning of the season before her career took her elsewhere, gave us some updates on the ladies game. Um, and th- we've just had so much contribution from email and Twitter. It's been a really great season. Um, extra special thanks, though, to three heroes who I absolutely adore. First of all, producer Matt, who is... the technical brains behind the operation and I genuinely couldn't actually get this podcast out without him. Um, Matt has been fantastic behind the scenes all season and he's also stepped in when I've been away and done some hosting, which is hugely appreciated. Matt, you're our hero. We love you lots. Um, But the two voices who've joined me tonight, I've been joined all season on the panel by Robert Kopak and Statman Dave, Dave Roberts, who have been just such a pleasure to have. Guys, Thank you so much. You are totally welcome. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be uh, involved for the season. I've counted about, I've done 32 podcasts this season. It's uh, it's, it's, blown back. it's been a blast. Oh, wow, really? Oh, thank you so much. It's been great. Um, but the final thanks go to you, the listener. Um, just, you've supported us since, gosh, but 2010, 2011, and you continue to support us in your numbers every week. We see the stats, we know you're downloading, we know you're listening. Um, we've got a core group of listeners who've been with us for many years now, and your support is, I say this every week, your support is much appreciated. We would not be here without you, and it sounds it sounds like it's rehearsed, but we really mean it. We've very much enjoyed being part of your life, and we hope that you've enjoyed us being part of yours. Um, for the final time in the 2018-2019 podcast season, I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the None and Never podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.